welcome back to another episode of the Great Debaters on the Dream Team Podcast Network. I am Mike Snow. We got a lot of NBA playoffs to talk about today to get into. The number one seeds redeeming themselves over the Crazy Eights. Raptors dominance. Luka. Logo Lillard. Or dislocated Lillard. LeBron and LeBrow. TJ and Jimmy Butler. Giannis. The Warriors. And some hot debates. But first off, I need to introduce my partner in shine, Derek. What's up, D? How's the playoffs going for you so far? Man, what's going on with you, Mike? Uh, playoffs have been exciting, man. Uh, really exciting. You know, good to uh, to have some meaningful basketball. I mean, those eight games were kind of like the appetizer, right? And, and now we're getting into the main course. So, been excited for all these games. And um, just looking forward, you know, kind of things have been going a little bit so far how I thought they would go. Uh, but I think, you know, coming down the stretch here, we're going to start really getting into that drama of the, the playoff feel. And I'm excited. And hey, also, man, let's get into it. So on today's episode, Derek and I will detail all eight playoff series, East and West. We'll summarize all of them and give you our predictions, winners, losers, and everything else. Another story outside of the playoffs was the draft lottery last night. Did you see it, Derek? Did you watch you that? You know draft? what? You know what? I, I didn't actually watch it, but uh, I, I caught the highlights on, on Sports Center. And you know what? It, it's funny because I thought there was no way that the Dubs would get the number one pick just because, you know, there's always some kind of, you know, theory behind what's going on with, with, with those little lottery balls in there anyways. But uh, I was excited with the number two pick. And, and whether it was number one or number two, I feel like the Dubs were winners uh, regardless. And so excited to get into some of that with you. Yeah, I was so pissed, actually, when they got the number two. I, I like, like they lost the uh, NBA finals. I was like, oh, man. But, yeah, I, I kind of felt the same way, uh, a hope upon hope. But they did pick the number two, or they did receive the number two pick. And we'll talk the best fit and the player to draft at number two. And what's the best solution for them? And when we are staying with the uh, Warriors theme, I'm sorry, and staying with the Warriors theme, are the Warriors being forgotten or disrespected? What can the Warriors do? as far as trades, a free agent, or a draft to get them back into championship prediction or contention. Then we have a segment called, and a new segment, Congratulate, Hate, and Debate, where we'll chronicle what we liked, disliked, and what we want to debate so far in the bubble playoffs. So let's get right into it, Derek. How about it? Let's go to the East first. You good with that? Let's get it. All right. So what was your thoughts and takeaways from the Pacers and the Heat game? Oh, uh, well, ironically enough, um, as weak as the Eastern Conference has traditionally been in more recent years, I thought coming into this that one of the most exciting series to watch was going to be the Pacers and the Heat. I love the way those two teams match up. And, you know, I, I've been high on the Heat. You know, once uh, kind of watching them throughout the season and then you take the break and the restart, you know, and it was kind of like I almost forgot about them for a minute, you know, and then it was like, oh, you know, they're, you know, I, I look at them as a contender. So, you know, right now with them, you know, taking the 2-0 lead, um, I'm a little surprised just because I thought this was going to be a real competitive series. I know it's only been two games, um, but I like what the Heat are doing. And I think, you know, one of the most, you know, surprising slash exciting things has been, you know, the, the emergence and clutchness of Duncan Robinson. I mean, all we've been talking about is Dame Lillard, you know, especially, you know, with, within our group, you know, being from the Bay, you know, he, he's a, a hometown product, but I'm going to maybe go out on a limb and say that Duncan Robinson is the second most lethal shooter in the game behind Steph Curry. So I think it's been an exciting series, uh, but I'd like to see a little bit more from the Pacers. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. I thought this was probably going to be the best first round series. Um, two teams that are very evenly matched. Uh, the Miami Heat are deep, though. They're, they remind me of old school um, Golden State Warriors 2015 strength of numbers as just far as how deep they are on the bench with Crowder, um, Iggy from the old school uh, Warriors. And just to kind of uh, use one of your terms, what a pleasant surprise for Duncan Robinson. I mean, a guy that played in Division Three basketball, transferred to Michigan, was undrafted, comes to the Heat, and he put up yesterday, what, 24 points in 25 minutes, seven and eight from the three-point line? I mean, 
if you don't stop this guy, he will scorch you from three. And really it's a common theme on what's going on in the NBA right now is you got to be able to shoot the three and you got to be able to stop the three. And right now the Heat are extremely well in shooting the three. They got Tyler Hero, um, Jay Crowder, who's a, a three and D guy. And, Jimmy Butler just playing awesome defense. I mean, in game one, as you've seen him intercept passes like Deion Sanders, him and T.J. Warren going back and forth. And I like that you said Duncan Robinson, but T.J. Warren might also be a kind of bubble NBA player, most improved player, um, what he's been doing in the bubble so far. 31 points in the bubble, 57% field goal percentage, uh, plus 11 in eight games. And this is before the uh, the playoffs. I think he scored 22 uh, in the first game and 14 in the, in, in the second. But great, great start with him. Ben Adebayo is uh, a budding star. You know, he looks like what Draymond would have – came or would it was supposed to become um but he looks like he's a little bit farther off as far as in his development than draymond but doing great um i thought oladipo was gonna take over but i don't know what's going on with him I and mean, he got poked in the eye and didn't want to come back into the game i just don't get it you know he could have put a visor on or, or something you know what i mean daniel cormier and stipe miocis in ufc 252 both got poked in the eye and they fought two three more rounds. This guy didn't even come back in the game. So I thought he was the deciding factor. Um, it's 2-0. I think it still will be close. I think it can go to probably six or seven games. But I think the factor is Victor Oladipo, and he needs to show me some more heart. The whole thing with, with the eye poke thing was something that was kind of um, – something I didn't want to see and something that made me kind of sour against what was going on with them. But good series all in all, though. Um, I think that can go six or seven games with probably the Heat winning. But let's ju jump into uh, the Nets and Raptors. So the Nets and Raptors, and I'll go first with this one. It's pretty much been total dominance for the Raptors right now. I mean, I just watched game three uh, in, and they blew out the Nets on that one also. Um, so this one looks like this will probably be a sweep. A lot of people have Toronto as their favorite or even dark colors to win it all. Uh, they have looked great. Fred Van Vleek has come over, and he looks like he is now the star of the team. I mean, 27 points, averaging a little over 10 assists, doing damage. Kyle Lowry looks like a pit bull in a point guard's body. I mean, he's out there, defensive specialist all the time, getting charges. They got – jump shooting Ibaka, they got Siakam. Um, it's going to be pretty much hard for them to kind of stop them. And, and the Nets have a, a JV team out there right now. No KD, no Kyrie, uh, no Dimwitty, no uh, DeAndre Jordan. Joe Harris left the bubble on family reasons. He scored 14 points in the first game. So I don't see this being anything but total dominance by Toronto. What about you? Yeah, I mean, you, you, can, you can stick a fork in this one, Mike. This series is over. Um, you know, the, the Raptors have averaged, you know, uh, a, a win margin of 18 points in these first three games. They've all been blowouts. They haven't been close. And, you know, this is kind of a series. I just think the Raptors, we, we already knew, you know, the Nets kind of being in, you know, is a joke to me. But I understand the way that the playoffs work. It just, you know, these are the type of series where it's hard to get invested because, you know, the writing is on the wall from the beginning. You have five Raptors today in double digits. I just think they have way too much firepower. There's, there's not too much to say here. You know, you never want to look past an opponent. But at this point, I think the Raptors are probably looking towards the next round and, and who they may face. And, I mean, the Nets are kind of just in it because, you know, there's – eight teams that have to get in per conference and they happen to be the seventh seed, but it wasn't going to be competitive from the beginning. And I just think, you know, at this point, uh, you know, I, it, it's a sweep there. You can get the brooms out. This one's over with. Yeah. Nothing much more to say about that one. And that kind of leads me into the next series uh, with the Celtics and the Sixers, which I believe this is the three and six spot um, Celtics are the th three spot or the three seed. I'm not sure about this one, actually as far as the seating on this one. But I know the Celtics is playing the Sixers. Yeah, this is yeah, this is the 3-6 matchup right okay, here. Okay, the 3-6 matchup. Thank you, thank you. So, once again, nothing kind of to say about this series either. Looks like it's really kind of a dominating series for the Celtics. I mean, once uh, Simmons went out with the dislocated kneecap, uh, it pretty much ended the season for them. I mean, Tobias Harris and Al Horford, are two high-priced commodities that the Sixers have, and they're just not producing, man. They're not superstars. 
too big of a contract. Sixers are in trouble. Embiid doesn't have enough. The Celtics have way too much. They got a budding superstar in Jason Tatum, who is probably the best player on a really good team. He's averaging 33 points right now. Um, there's nothing really left to, to say about this one either, man. Um, I got Celtics probably 4-1 in the series, but uh, this one looks pretty much like a done deal too. Yeah, I agree. You know, obviously being down Ben Simmons, um, you know, we knew that the, the 76ers were going to be at a disadvantage, uh, but not just the end of the series. You know, honestly, I think this is the end of the process. Uh, I just don't see the Sixers, you know, uh, I, they've been put this plan together and, you know, year over year, I mean, they've gotten better, but at the end of the day, I just don't think this team uh, is going to have enough to get over the hump. I think that, you know, one thing that was talked about and, um, you know, I, I don't want to use this as an excuse for them, but there is no home court advantage, right. You know, throughout these playoffs, unless you're going to count Orlando. Okay, but, you know, the Sixers, they had the best, uh, a league best record of 31 and four at home. So I think that they kind of feed off that home court advantage and maybe that would have given them the little lift that they needed, uh, you know, is, you know, the way that the seating goes, I think going into, you know, game three here, they would be back at home. So you could see a series where it was still Celtics up 2-0, you know, going into Philadelphia. But, um, yeah, I, I agree. I think this series is done. I, I do see the Sixers getting a, a novelty game, but the Celtics are definitely moving on behind Jason Tatum. He looks great, one of the best young stars in the game. And, uh, yeah, I, I agree. This one's just about done as well. Yeah, yeah. Enough said with that. <laughs> um, let's go into the last series with the Bucks and the Magic, uh, the one and the eight. Uh, what do you see in this one? Well, I'll tell you what, after game one, you know, I, I thought to myself, was there any way possible that the Bucks could be on upset alert? And, uh, you know, they after game two, they brought me back down to earth. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that that was kind of a, a one-game deal for the Magic, and they got a win. And, you know, it kind of started things off right uh, for the playoffs, just in that, you know, hey, give some excitement there and, and probably – the worst matchup in the playoffs. And again, I mean, you know, for the final eight games of the regular season in the bubble, the Bucks were three and five, so they weren't looking good. So after the game one, I thought to myself, man, is it possible? It's not possible. This series is over. 4-1 Bucks moving on. Yeah, after the first game, I kind of was like, it's only one game. Um, nothing to be excited or concerned about. Uh, Butich? Nikolai Vucic, is that how you say his name? Vucic. I don't know. Vucic. Vucic. Man, balled out. Totally 35 points, five of eight from three. Was awesome. But it doesn't seem like Orlando has enough in the second game. Milwaukee definitely came back, was able to shut the door. Milwaukee has not played well, like you said, three and five. Chris Middleton, where is he at? You know, put out a wall. Where's Waldo posting for him? Uh, he just has not been the answer for. Uh, young Greek freak, Giannis, you know, pretty much has to do everything. So I see that being kind of concerning for them down the road. I wonder if he'll be able to hold all that up and, and, and keep that up. With Orlando, though, they do seem like a team, even though I'm not quick to say this series is now over, they do seem like they will be competitive still. Um, they have some good pieces, Terrence Ross, uh, Vucic. Um, they got a couple of pieces, and then you got Aaron Gordon that didn't play either. So I'm not sure what his status is for the actual series, but if he comes back. But they do seem confident, and they do seem very confident. And maybe it might be because they are in Orlando. Um, not so much their own uh, facility, but it is a Disney facility. Orlando is owned by Disney or in Disney. So maybe they do have a, a, a one-up on the other teams. And I'm not sure about that, but it, – it, it could be possible. It might, you know, it could be. And actually, that brings me to another point real quickly I wanted to get into you real quick, Derek. Uh, they were three and five, you know, coming into the bubble. And they were the eighth seed, and I think they were 33 and 40. Now, Phoenix was 34 and 39, had a better record than them, and went 8-0 and in the bubble, but did not get in. So, you know, what's – how do you see this being rectified? You know what I mean? As far as how, I don't understand how 
a team goes 8-0 and, and, and not get into the, uh, the playoffs? Why did they even have them down there? Yeah, you know, that's an interesting point that you bring up. And I kind of I, I thought about that as well. But I, I do want to say this is I think in the world we live in, there's a lot of recency bias. And, you know, there was a, a, a season before this, which seems like it was last season. You know, when, when we're still, you know, playing in one season here. And, I mean, here's the thing. In the end of the day, you know, the Suns, they just, you know, they weren't good enough throughout the whole season in order to get in. You know, plus they're playing out of the West. I mean, you put them over in the East and, and you know, they're in the playoffs. They are a playoff team. And we saw how good they played. But I think that, you know, going 8-0, and you really got to see, you know, Devin Booker in prime time for a lot of guys who, you know, had not been able or, or people, excuse me, that had not been able to watch him. I think this gave them the opportunity to put him on a stage. But, um, you know, I think that there's the, – the bubble scenario is just it, – it's created some some different things and some different storylines and, you know, kind of questions that come up. And, you know, we, we might save this for another show, but that's something that I've been really thinking about is I know that LeBron had come out and said, you know, one thing you never mess with is the playoffs. I would like to see the way the NBA – you know, sets up the playoff structure, you know, with the Western and Eastern Conference. I'd like to see some changes there, but we'll save that for another show. Yeah, I think it's time. I think it's time to do the one to 16 uh, seeds, you know, the best 16 teams as opposed to Western Conference and Eastern Conference. I mean, this is kind of ridiculous um, that even losing teams are able to get in over teams that might have a better record, but because they're in a different conference that they won't be able to get in. Um, yeah, that's it for the East. So real, real quick, briefly, um, who do you see coming out of the East? Um, if I had to pick right now, I would say, man, maybe Miami. What say you? Whew, that's a bold pick. I like Miami, but I'm going with the Raptors. I'm, I'm going with Toronto, and uh, I think Toronto has a strong chance to repeat. That's fair. That's fair. I, I can see why you, you like them. They definitely have championship pedigree. Um, they got a great coach that's very defensive-minded and comes with extremely well schemes. I think one of the, the biggest things that people didn't recognize in last year's finals was what he did defensively when the Warriors would go on fast breaks. As soon as the Warriors would get a, a rebound or would take the ball out and would try to break fast real quick, they would have people immediately in the passing lanes to try to pick those passes off. I mean, it worked to perfection with Draymond Green. I mean, he turned the ball over multiple times trying to get on a fast break. Klay uh, Thompson, all of them, they were in the kind of passing lanes knowing that the Warriors want to get out, run and shoot, and get to the three-point line or, or dash right to the hole. Uh, so I believed outside of the boxing one that they put on Steph, which worked perfectly, um, was another kind of defensive special that the Rappers did. And they just looked like a really good, awesome, complete team. I don't see them going far um, just because I just don't think they have everything. And they had Terminator 2 uh, last year, Kawhi Leonard. Um, I think he put them over the top. But like, I, like you said, that's another topic for another day. Let's get quickly into the Western Conference, what you've seen in the Western Conference. Let's go uh, the four and five matchup, Rockets and Thunder. What did you see out of that one? Rockets and Thunder, uh, I would have liked to see more. Let's say that. You know, I know in the Bay there's a lot of people, a lot of Chris Paul detractors. I'm a big fan of Chris Paul. I thought that the Thunder was a good story throughout this year. Uh, I never really thought that they stood a chance against Houston, even, you know, without uh, Russell Westbrook. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, I just don't think it's in the cards for Chris Paul. And I kind of see the Thunder uh, making a real early exit here. I, I, I see Houston sweeping this series. Ooh, okay. I didn't see that coming. I, I feel the same way, though. The uh, revenge tour for CP3 has gone extremely sour. Uh, James Harden, I believe, is showing who the alpha male was in that particular situation just with his play. Um, game one, he was pretty much unguardable, 37 points, 11 rebounds. Second game, I think he only scored 21, but they still were able to win, which is very alarming for the rest of the league, if you really think about it. And like I was stating earlier, the league is now what – the Warriors built in the strength of numbers years as far as, you know, two threes are better than twos. And I think that the whole league has now kind of transformed into that particular style of play. And 
the Houston Rockets have taken it to a hyper sensitive level with that. You know, they have James Harden and they have a bunch of shooters around him. And that's kind of how they do everything. Um, I was ready to go on upset alert and, and hot take central and say beginning before Westbrook uh, got the quad injury that the Houston Rockets were going to win the whole thing just because they have the, the same protocol that the Warriors kind of created. And that seems to be the winning, you know, formula right now in the NBA. But I don't think that the, um, that Harden could all do it by himself. He definitely can with OKC. I see them winning probably in six, though. Um, I do see OKC still having a, 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 a good time and them, Houston, having a hard time dealing with them. And a couple of games will, will leave because they can't just keep shooting all those threes. I mean, they shot – I want to say they had an NBA record yesterday for shooting 35 uh, three-point um, attempts in one half and missed 25 of them. So both of those were like records. Uh, so all they really do – and I think one of the – the uh, possessions, I've seen like maybe six or seven different possessions with both teams. And in one particular segment, both teams shot a three every single time. You know what I mean? It's like Houston went down, shot a three, four times. OKC shot a three like three times. So that's all there really is. It's, you got to know how to shoot the three. And, and Houston can do it. But when they go cold, sometimes um, it can leave them to not look like the best team. But I see uh, Houston uh, taking this series. So let's get into Nuggets and Jazz, three and six. Um, and I'll start with this one. This is, to me, a, a straight slobber knocker. You know, they're going to go back and forth. I could see this one being a seven-game series. Um, the Nuggets really disappoint me, though. I see them as a team that should be maybe the first or second seed. They got a budding superstar in, in the Joker. I mean, he's pretty much, you know, 2018, 2019, all-NBA. Uh, he's shooting 61% from the, from the field. Um, I'm sorry, that was somebody else. That's not him. But he actually scored uh, 20, 10, and 7 this year. And he scored 29 points in the first game. You know, he's a baller. Jamal Murray's a baller. Uh, I know they have Gary Harris and Will Barton out, so that may be the reason why they've been kind of slipping. But they have a, a good superstar in the making in Michael Porter Jr. He's been a pleasant surprise. Um, he's 6'10", 210. He's averaging 22 points and eight rebounds in the, in the bubble. They got Bo Bowl that's seven foot something, looking like a hybrid Manute Bowl 2.0, can shoot threes, can run fast. So I just thought they would be a little bit better than what they've been. But Spider Mitchell has been amazing. He's been the one that scored in the last two games 87 points. He's shooting 61% from uh, field goal, 54% from three-point range. I mean, getting seven, almost eight assists, and he's a plus 12 right now. Um, he's been doing it all, man. Uh, but I can see this one going seven games. Yeah, you know, this was, uh, aside from the Heat Pacers, this was another series that I looked at just to, you know, I think you used the right word there in slobber knocker uh, because, you know, this felt like a heavyweight matchup, a lot of back and forth, and it does still have the makings to be at 1-1. Uh, but just, you know, I kind of just checked the score right here. They're playing right now. Uh, the Jazz are up 34-16. And I just, you know, I'm, I'm starting to kind of question the Nuggets in the fact that, um, you know, they, they need to pick up the energy level if they're going to win these games. I also think, you know, with Mike Connolly being back, uh, you know, clearing quarantine, I just, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm leaning jazz in this series. I see the jazz coming out of this series. Uh, I, I think that they're going to need, you know, to uh, kind of continue with, um, you know, the tempo and the way that they've been playing. But um, Ultimately, I, I see this going six or seven as well. This is one of the series that could drag out, but I like the Jazz here. And I just think Spider Mitchell, uh, man, that guy, he, he is fun to watch. And uh, I, I think that the Jazz, they're deep. I mean, the Nuggets are deep as well. But uh, I definitely, I like the Jazz coming out of this series. I think it might be their time. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll move on to the second round this year. Yeah, I can see the Jazz going and, and uh, going to the second round and getting out of this one too. This one will be a hard one though for them. Uh, clips and mass. So it was this two against seven. What do you see in this one? Uh, in this one, I think what you see to start is that um, Luka Doncic and, uh, and Porzingis have looked great. I mean, I think Luka, man, that, that guy is special. He is special. He, he does not look like the young player that he is. 
And, you know, I think what the Mavs are showing right here is they might have a little bit more than a puncher's chance against the star-studded Clippers. I know a lot of people just do to the star power and the firepower that the Clippers have and the fact that they're probably the deepest team in the league that, uh, you know, we're probably the, the odds-on favorites to win the NBA Finals. But uh, the Mavs, man, they look good. They look good. And, and of all the series right now, I'm going to have to put the Clippers on upset alert. You know, I could see the Mavs getting it done. This has been my favorite series so far. You know, at the onset, uh, you know, I didn't really view this series the same way. But, um, you know, through two games, th this has been really fun. And, I mean, you know, you kind of take away the Porzingis ejection and some of the things that transpired after that moment. And, I mean, you know, I, I don't like to play the if game, you know, because if it, if it was a fifth, we'd all be drunk. But sure. – um, the Mavs being up two games right now. So I think the Clippers, they, they, got, a, they got a full plate. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of this series plays out. Yeah, I wonder if it was all the kind of distractions that was going on in and, in and out of the bubble with them with uh, Montez Harold, Lou Williams, uh, Patrick Beverly. So they've had a, a lot of kind of pieces that have gone back and forth. But I did see a report that stated that Kawhi and PG kind of got together over the um, – postponement and kind of worked on their games and really built a cohesiveness and a synergy between them two. So I can see them kind of like pulling this out. Um, I do think they're the deepest team in the NBA, just with the bench and their starting five, um, having two superstars. Luca has been totally dominant though, a straight beast. His first two games, he's the first player since George Mikanen in 1949 to have a player score 70 points in their, in their, in the first two games. Um, just ripping and tearing up the league, man. I mean, he's definitely in contention for a bubble MVP. Uh, Mavs jumped on the Clippers early, uh, kept their foot on their neck, and the depth will pretty much be the key because I like, like you said, Porzingis. He's been balling. They got Tim Hardaway Jr., Seth Curry, um, Trey Burke. All those uh, cats scored off the bench, and Boban uh, scored 47 points in the last game on 61% clip. So they really got it done um, off the bench. But I think that the Clippers bench is much deeper. Once again, we got they got T2, uh, Terminator 2, Kawhi, as usual, 35 and 10. Uh, PG was pretty stagnant in the game. I think he only scored, what, 13, 14 points. But I could see him pulling out of that stretch. I could see him, you know, coming through and moving forward. I see them getting their defense together because their defense have been very sketchy to the Clippers. And it's just been really a common theme of the whole bubble is that the defense has just been really bad with all the teams. But I can see them coming out of it. Kawhi just has that will not let lose. He's going to win. I think they take the series probably 4-2. Um, like I said, PG, PG will come out of it. They just got too many pieces, man. Reggie Jackson, Sweet Lou, Montez, Shamnett. They got, they got too many pieces out there in L.A., man. But, Last but not least, let's get into the last L.A. team, the number one team. Let's go 1-8, Lakers-Blazers. And I'll just go first. This is, once again, another reason or what I've been saying as far as having a league now that you have to be able to shoot the three and stop the three. And the Lakers pretty much was out-rebounded by – or they actually in the first game out-rebounded the Blazers, um, had more assists, had more steals. Um, and they had – the Blazers had more turnovers. But the Blazers shot the lining out of the ball in three, and they were able to defeat them. In the second game, they weren't hitting the threes like they were supposed to. And LeBron, and especially AD, came, and he came to dominate. And that's what ended up happening. Um, I think this will be closer than what people think. This is my upset alert. I still see the Blazers taking this in, in seven games. Um, it's mm. going to be hard with – yeah, it's going to be hard with Logo Lillard or dislocated finger Lillard now. Um, but we all need to remember that uh, Steph Curry dislocated his middle finger last year in the playoffs against Houston. And I want to say game two or game three. I think it was game two. And then when he came back game three, he had a bad game. And then he had a kind of subpar game, even though his subpar game was 25 points in game five. But then in game six, he had zero points in the first half and had 33 in the second half. So even with a dislocated finger on your other uh, non-shooting hand uh, will affect Damian Lillard, but I think he'll still be able to rise. Uh, CJ needs to come up. He needs to put his big boy pants on. He needs to become a superstar now. Uh, Carmelo needs to come out of the woodworks. And I think if all these things happen, 
the Blazers can take it. But what have you seen so far with the uh, with this particular series? Obviously, like everybody else, I've been really impressed with the Blazers. And I think that what we can't forget here is that the Blazers are finally, you know, I, I guess, quote unquote, healthy. You know, when they took on the, the Warriors last year, they were without Nurkic. So I think that that does make a huge difference. Um, but again, like you said, you know, the, the three ball. Now, one thing that we do need to remember, though, is that the Lakers were not a good three-point shooting team during the season, okay? And, you know, you, you kind of run down their roster. There's not a, a whole lot of shooters there. But I think we saw what can happen, though, when, when AD is able to dominate a game like he did in game two. I just kind of think he was having his way, and I think he can continue to have his way. I, I see the Blazers getting one more, maybe. Um, you know, in, in this series going six, but with the dislocated left index finger, and it's funny that you bring up the, the Steph Curry comparison because there's been a lot of that between him and Dame recently, and now this is just one more thing to add to it with the dislocated finger. Uh, but I think that could end up playing a major factor. I mean, we are talking about a guy that's averaged 36 points a game, you know, through the first 10 games here in the bubble. Obviously, he's been completely dominant. And, you know, me being a, a Bay Area guy, I want to see him do well. I just ultimately don't think that, you know, they're going to have enough. I think that they can make it a competitive series. They can make these games close. But I do see the Lakers coming out on top of this 4-2. And, you know, something about the Lakers that, uh, you know, I do want to point out is rest in peace to Kobe and Gigi is I do think that they kind of have that uh, looming over them. And I just kind of feel like, you know, when uh, crunch time comes, LeBron is not going to let them lose. And I think we all know that when he wants to put his head down and get to the basket, he can do that at will. And, you know, if, as long as they can keep these games close, I don't think it's going to rely on the three ball as much as maybe some of these other series might. Yeah, I think, you know, LeBron is always game ready. I just really have um, – concerns with AD I means those big eyes and stuff he always looks like a deer in the headlights from, to me you know sometimes he he can be masterful like game two where he scored 31 points and he just was dominant nobody could stop him and then he could be like in game one where he scores what 20 24 points in the first half and then only scores like seven or something like that and I think it was like 20 or 22 points in the first half and eight in the, in the, in the second half um, not sure the actual numbers but he pretty much like went missing for the second half. And he seems to do that a lot in playoff games uh, where he'll put up big stats and big numbers, but when you really need him, um, he's nowhere to be found. But I do um, see them being extremely strong. Um, this will be a tough series for them. It's going to be a tough series for the Blazers, but I can see them kind of pulling it out, man. But, you know, um, reiterating what you said too, man, shout out to, uh, to Kobe and Gianna, man, rest in peace, man. And I think we're going to leave it there, man. And when we come back, we'll talk, a team that nobody is talking about right now in the bubble. That's the Golden State Warriors and the number two draft pick. They had the draft lottery last night. What should they do with the number two draft pick? And what trades or free agents can they get that will make them a championship contender again? Or do they already have everything? And we're going to get into congratulate, hate, and debate on the other side. You're listening to the great debaters. Go get some popcorn and a pop. We'll be back. So the NBA is in full swing with abundance of excitement in the Eastern and Western Conference. And once again, this is the great debaters with Mike and Derek. Glad you were able to come back. We detailed all the games and we summarized the play and the outcomes and, you know, some winners and some losers of what we thought who would come out of those particular series. But there's one team that hasn't been talked about in the bubble, and that's because they're out of sight now, out of mind, and they weren't good enough to make it to the bubble, and that's the Golden State Warriors. But... We're in the Bay Area. This is, you know, going out amongst the masses. But me and Derek, we're in the Bay Area, and we hear a lot of Bay Area talk, so and a lot of Golden State Warriors talk. So last night was also the draft lottery. The Warriors were able to pick up the number two pick in the draft lottery. So that is very promising um, as far as for rebuilding and fine-tuning this team because we both know they might need some uh, extra pieces or things that um, need to go more as far as they need more pieces right now to make them a championship contender. So I'm going to shoot it to you real quick, Derek. 
what do you see with this number two pick? How do you see the Warriors going with this? Um, which angle do you see them going? Well, I think the angle that I, I see them going versus the angle I'd like them to take could be two different things. Um, so all the reports coming out right now um, kind of have the, the dub saying that this, this pick is up for grabs. You know, they are open for business and they are looking to trade. However, I'm leaning towards go ahead and drafting the best player that can fit and help them win. And for me, that's James Wiseman. I think that there is a lot of uncertainty. You know, you've got Marquise Chris, you've got Kavon Looney. But I, I just, I don't get that feeling inside, you know, that strong feeling that one of those two guys could come in and, you know, really kind of carve out a big role for this team. And I think Wiseman gives them something that they've been missing. I think he's, a, you know, obviously 7-1. He's athletic. He's young. He's, you know, would be joining a team with a ton of veteran leadership. It might be what they're missing down low. We obviously know that the Warriors can shoot, they can score, um, but, you know, Wiseman being able to rebound, you know, hit the boards, um, you know, it, it would be exciting to see him down low there dunking on cats. You know, I, I like James Wiseman as the pick. And, you know, I, I think that the Warriors have a lot of action at that. I mean, with, you know, the Timberwolves getting the first pick in the draft, I don't see a scenario where they're going to go and take a guy like Wiseman. I mean, they already have Carl Anthony Towns. So I think it's wide open for the Warriors to take. And, I mean, that would be my selection. And I understand a lot of people are going to say, well, you know, where's the sample size? He only had, you know, three college games. I really don't see that as a big thing in the NBA. I mean, you know, we, we know that there have been plenty of guys that have come out of high school to become stars in the NBA. And I just think with the, vet, the, the veteran leadership and the fact that, you know, for that short period of time, Wiseman was coached by Penny Hardaway, who is a guy who knows what it takes to play in the NBA. And I know there's a lot of great coaches out there, you know, Coach K, and, uh, and, and Rick Pitino and all these guys. But I always look at sports, former players who move on to be head coaches or managers in their respective sports. They know what it takes to play at that level. And I just think that, that Wiseman is a guy who may be able to come in and have an impact immediately. Yeah, I definitely can see how um... – you can look at it that way. He's big. I mean, 6'10", 6'11". Uh, Marcus Spears, I want to say, was on 97, um, 95.7 The Game with Bonte Stani and Guru in one episode, and he stated that he may be like the next Kevin Garnett. So to be able to get the next Kevin Garnett in a draft with the talent that we already have with Steph Clay, um, Andrew Wiggins, and Draymond, um, that might be uh, solidifying championship dynasty type team, you know, second go around. Um, I'm not big on Wiseman just on the simple fact that, like you said, there is a small sample size and he is a big man. But I believe that the league has now, like I've been stating all throughout this episode, that the league is now three and D. You know, you got to be able to play defense and stop the three. You got to be able to shoot it, you know, and shoot it at an alarming clip. When you look at the 2015 um, Warriors and then the 73 and 9 Warriors, I mean, these are all teams that played or team that played small ball, uh, took out the center and put in Iguodala and changed the whole series with uh, LeBron and the Cavaliers. Now we see Houston doing it and having actually success with it before uh, Westbrook went down, having extreme success with uh, a starting five that I think maybe the biggest player is six, seven. So um, I don't know if he is going to be um, revolutionary for what the new NBA is. Um, I've seen reports already that stated that LaMelo Ball might go number one to uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. I don't see that either, just because he's a kind of combo guard, shooting guard slash point guard. And that's what they have in D'Angelo Russell uh, right now. So I couldn't see that. My pick is actually, LaMelo Ball. I don't think that it's the best thing to trade that pick. Um, what are we really going to get out of that pick? Uh, there's so much, so many unknowns with the draft picks these, this season that I don't see a team giving up a big player like there's been 
you know, uh, talk of Bradley Beal for the second pick. And for one, you have to kind of go contract for contract. So Bradley Beal, I believe, is making 28, 29 million next year. So we would have to um, supplement that with uh, probably a couple of players or Draymond and a Looney um, that would add up to that particular contract to trade them. And I don't think, for one, the Wizards would even um, entertain a trade for Bradley Beal for uh, Draymond and, and Looney. So that wouldn't work as far as for the second pick. Um, who are we going to get? Dre Jay Crowder, which he would be a good kind of selection for the 17 million trade exemption that we have. Uh, he's not making 17 million, but I don't think it has to be exactly 17 million. If they were looking to kind of give him up the heat, and I don't think that would happen, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie would probably be a good selection for the 17 million uh, trade exception, also. But um, just because they have Levert, KD, and um, Kyrie, so I don't see Dinwiddie fitting in with them. So maybe he would be an option. But like, who would we get uh, for a trade? Would it be a utility player or a three? three and D guy, it wouldn't be a superstar we'd be able to get probably for that second um, pick. So I think we should just go ahead and draft it. And the draft for me is LaMelo Ball. Um, I know people don't want to see LaVar Ball's mouth and yapping, and it doesn't – it hasn't looked real good for um, – what's the other ball's name? The one, the one that's in um, New Orleans right now. Uh, what's his name? I, I don't know why it's it, it, escape, escaping me right Lonzo. now. Lonzo. Lonzo Ball, thank you. So it hasn't looked great for Lonzo, and he was considered to be kind of like a phenom coming out of college. I mean, the next Jake kid they were calling him, and he hasn't proven that yet. So I could see how Warriors fans would be sour to that pick. But look, he's the combo guard that the Warriors desperately need. This is why they made the trade for D'Angelo Russell, to get D'Angelo Russell, because even though they ended up succumbing to what the fans wanted and wanted him to be traded out of here. He was the kind of the combo guard that the Warriors needed post KD. I mean, he's a guard in D'Angelo Russell, a guard that can shoot, can pass. I mean, he was scoring what 21 points and seven assists uh, coming into the league or coming into that particular season with the Warriors. And I think he pretty much had that same, those same numbers in the small amount of games that he played. So um, the Warriors ended up trading him off for Wiggins, which, uh, you know, we'll see. But I don't know if that was, you know, the best thing to do or the best pick for them to go ahead and get Wiggins. He has been underachieving since he's been in high school. Um, and we're getting ready to pay him $30 million next year or this, uh, yeah, next season. So LaMelo Ball, 6'7", he's a guy that can take over the game, can shoot. I could see him coming off the bench in the second quarter and playing with uh, Clay and letting Steph kind of like – have a breather, but I also see him in the starting lineup. I see LaMelo Ball, Steph, and Clay all together. Not a point guard and a shooting guard, no particular position. We just have three guards on the on the court. You know what I mean? It's not a, well, Steph's the point or LaMelo's the shooting guard. No, there's just three guards there. And it's going to be LaMelo, and it's going to be Clay, and it's going to be Steph. And then you got Wiggins there. And if you want to keep Draymond, you got Draymond. But then we got Marquise Chris that can come off the bench. I'm like you. I don't like what the bench looks like um, right now with the Warriors. We're in some extreme trouble with salary, too. Um, and we can kind of get into that. But my pick, the, the pick that I see going down is LaMelo Ball. He's the combo guard that the Warriors so desperately need. He's the guy that can perform and can get much better, can shoot the three probably at a high clip if he if he definitely um, works on it more. And if he's with Steph and Clay, just like with Clay, if you think about it, Clay wasn't a prolific three-point shooter until he came around the Warriors and seeing how Steph was doing it and seeing how Steph was progressing. And he had to be on the same plateau, the same apex. So um, I could see the same thing happening for LaMelo Ball. Um, it's, it's something that I think needs to be done. I do like James Wiseman, but I just don't think he fits into what the new NBA is, and that's shoot the three, stop the three. But let me ask you this real quick, Derek, and you can kind of go into my pick also, but let me ask you, um, do you see the Warriors having everything that they need right now? Do they need some, What can they do to be back into championship contention? Well, I think that what they need to do to get back into championship contention is I think they need to look at the formula that got them there pre-KD. 
and that was the strength in numbers, right? That That's always been something uh, that the Warriors have heavily relied on. So, you know, even with taking Wiseman, I mean, I, I heard your starting lineup, and, and I'm going to get into that in a second, but, you know, a, a starting five of Steph, Clay, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and James Wiseman, I mean, this sounds good to me. You know, I, I think when you put a guy like Wiseman on the floor, you know, with the Steph, Clay, and Dre, and, you know, even Wiggins now, he's had a few years in the league, and we have to remember, he hasn't really gotten a chance to play with Steph yet. So we don't know what we're going to get. And with this extended time off, we don't know how this team might be meshing and gelling. But I think that the Warriors ultimately need pieces. So, you know, another thing that they could be looking at doing is potentially trading back in the draft. If they are not thrilled about that, I think, you know, when, when you look at, at Joe Lakeup and Bob Myers, I mean, you kind of go through the history. Steph was taken eighth. Clay was taken 11th. Draymond was taken 35th. Oh, my. Okay, so, you know, you, you got to think is, is that, especially in this year's draft, which to me is a very lackluster class, trading back to get a later pick in the first round and a piece – might be a move that they make. I think they really need to work on that depth. I, I do not like the Warrior bench right now. You know, you talked about using that that $17.2 million trade exception that we got out of the Iggy deal. And I, I do think that that gives them a lot of options, but also with the mid-level. I mean, you know, mid-level is looking about 5.9. tell you what, going out and getting a guy like Mark Gasol, okay, uh, a big man, a center that can give you some big minutes and can shoot the three ball. He's also just coming off of, you know, a championship. So maybe he might not be as willing, you know, to make that move over, you know, to, to the Warriors. But, you know, I think a lot of people are still looking at the Warriors as one of the best teams in the NBA, even though they finished dead last this year. You know, another guy that I've always loved is Trevor Ariza. I think Trevor Ariza is a good piece and could provide some depth. But uh, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I, I do not like the LaMelo ball pick at all. Um, you know, I think the passing is creative. I, I think that he can create. But at the same time, I just don't know, is he going to be able to score the, the way that you would be expecting him to, you know, when you go with that small lineup. So, yeah, I, I, I don't like that. And um, I just think that, you know, at this point, he might be a better fit somewhere else. Yeah, the uh, the hang-up, like I stated, with Wiseman is the sample size. He's only played three games. Um, there's not much to kind of chronicle with him. You, you, there's not much that you can go off of as far as highlights or even going and trying to watch some YouTube uh, clippage of him. Uh, with LaMelo Ball, though, he has played with grown men, and he's played overseas, you know, the last year. So I think he's kind of gotten – I mean, in, you know, Luka Dantich – has played overseas. Um, so there's been a lot of other NBA stars that have played overseas and come over and been able to kind of um, adjust to what the NBA is giving in the NBA game. I think he's probably the most ready um, out of any of the top four to five prospects right now that is ready to kind of acclimate themselves into the NBA. Um, so I can see him working, but you don't. And uh, I see why. I see why, as far as with James Wiseman, he is a great pick. And if he becomes Kevin Garnett, I mean, watch out for whoever gets him. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. You know, and um, I think we'll leave it there. We went kind of a little long in the first one, so we'll leave it there with that one. But we'll definitely get into more Warriors talk as the season goes on and as the episodes go on. But we want to kind of get into our chronicled segment, that our new segment that we have. And it's called Congratulate, Hate, or Debate. And pretty much what this is, is a segment where we'll go into things that we liked, disliked about the NBA bubble se uh, playoff season. And then we'll give a debating topic uh, that me and Derek will kind of debate real quickly um, and see what we can get out of these particular topics. But we're going to do congratulate, hate, and debate. You ready, Derek? I can go I'm first ready. if you want me. I, I can hit it off first. All right, go ahead. Or, or it's up to you. Yeah, I, I'll give you the floor if you want it. I'll tell you what, I'm ready to rock. Go ahead, okay? go ahead. I'm ready to start this segment off. So I would like to congratulate the NBA for implementing the play-in game scenario. And I hope it is something that they continue. I know it had been talked about in the past, and it was something that they talked about before the restart. And for the people who are not familiar with it, 
between the eight and the nine seeds, if the nine seed is within four games of the eight seed, it will create a play-in scenario is what we saw with Portland and Memphis. And what will happen at that point is the eighth seed will just need to beat the ninth seed one time to secure their playoff berth. The ninth seed would need to beat the eighth seed two times to overtake them and get into the playoffs. So I think that is fun. I think they kind of took a page out of the, the NCAA tournament book, um, you know, where, where they created those playing games to, to get into the 64. Uh, so I, I think that that was fun. And that is something that I hope that the NBA continues. I think it adds another layer and some more excitement leading into the playoffs. Now, what I would like to, to hate on, yeah. Um, as far as this NBA playoff bubble goes, is, man, the times that these early games are starting, okay? <laughs> because we live out on the West Coast, and I'll tell you what, um, I wish I could tell you that I was off in time for tip-offs of game one and game two, but I'm not. And if it weren't for this podcast right now, I'd barely even be able to, to check on the scores uh, being at work. So I hate – the fact that these early tip times, and I do understand, you know, it, it's scheduling conflicts and, and they're trying to fit everything into, uh, you know, a quote unquote bubble. But I hate these early start times. I feel like I'm missing out on too much action. I and my debate is going to be after this first round, the NBA said that they are going to let a limited amount of family members into the bubble. And my debate would be, should the NBA be allowing this? And the answer is absolutely not. Because at this point, we've even talked about it on this show, okay? How great of an NBA, uh, how great of a job the NBA is doing. No positive COVID tests. This, that, and the other. Oh, you know, Major League Baseball, the NFL, they need to take a page out of the NBA's book. There have been times where I thought, you know, Adam Silver is getting too much credit for this. And I'll tell you what, bringing family members in, they have to travel to get there. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't like it. it I, I'm, I'm a hard pass on that. Come on, Derek, man. We both have families. I got kids. You got kids. You got a wife. I got a wife. How great would it be if we were away from our family for months on end and then they were allowed to come and, you know, enjoy and experience the experience that we're having down in their Orlando bubble? you know, with Disney World and all that good stuff. You know, that could really put a spark into a player that has been either struggling or having a hard time dealing with the Zoom. I'm sorry, the Zoom. What am I talking about? Dealing with the Orlando bubble and dealing with no fans and having the digital fans. And, and you know, players like a LeBron uh, stated earlier that he wasn't going to play if it wasn't no fans. He does it for the fans. So, um, and it may have to do with a little bit of why he's kind of struggled in the bubble and AD and other players and um, why other players have been succeeding. But to have your family there and look, the NBA, like you stated, there's no COVID cases. They've done everything right so far. I mean, this has been a microcosm of possibly what the United States should have done with everybody as far as keeping us in a bubble for a particular amount of time to when the rates would have gotten under, you know, a very manageable rate. And what they have done in, in the NBA has been nothing short of phenomenal. So the fact that they believe or they had a contingency to have family members after the first round, I think there's nothing wrong with it. I think they definitely should do it. Um, I think it would help the players. And I think you're just totally off base with that one. But that's all. It's, it's all good, man. I mean, if, if you want to respond real quick, you can. I know it's a debate. <laughs> hey, so, so this is the only thing that I'm going to say on that. Um, because I think something that you just said a few seconds ago proved my point entirely. Uh -oh. Okay? So you talked about the United States possibly taking a page out of the NBA's book. So let me ask you a question, Mike. What happened when the United States loosened restrictions and started to open back up? Where are we today with the pandemic? It exploded, right? This is true. The NBA but, has done a great job. But the, testing, great job. but the testing in the U.S. hasn't been as, as good, and it was being kind of shunned as far as testing from our own president. So – in the NBA, the president pretty much is Adam Silver. 
and has the all the protocols set in that particular bubble. So even with family coming in, I could see them not having big hiccups or having outbreak because people from the outside would probably immediately be tested and possibly being being quarantined from players in the first couple of days until they get you know a couple of negative tests but i see where you're going i see i, I see where you're going i see where you're going hey, I, it, 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 as soon as you loosen the restrictions that's when things happen so that's all i'm gonna say about that hey i love my family but at the end of the day health and safety uh is, is at the utmost right now and um you know what we can celebrate when i get back home and we're hoisting that larry o'brien trophy right you, so you right now that. the family can stay home they can watch it like the rest of us. And you know what? They have enough money. They're probably blessed to be catching these early tip times. So I don't think they're missing out on anything right now. You got it. You got it. I, I, I'm with you. Okay. We'll leave it there. So I'm going to go into my congratulate, hate, and debate time, right? So who I want to congratulate is Logo Lillard, Damian Lillard from the town. I'm from the town. Oakland High native. Went to Oakland High, out there going stupid, going dumb on LeBron and LeBrow when he, in game one, dancing. You know, he did have his um, dislocated finger, but he's out there representing hard for the Bay Area, and I love it. I want to congratulate him. I seen a stat on ESPN Sports Center that stated that this season he's taken and making more three-pointers from 30 foot than anybody ever. Now, we already know Steph created this. We don't have to go back and forth as far as who's better, who submitted who, Steph or Dane. We'll leave that for the other shows. You know, you've heard the rest. Now hear the best. Damian Lillard is considered the best 30-foot three-point shooter out there, you know, and there could be debates about that. But there was a stat that stated that he is or he has made this year 55 three-pointers from 30-foot range. I mean, that's phenomenal. He's taken 134 three-pointers from 30-foot range, and he's made 55 of them at a 41% clip. <laughs> so this guy has range, and he is shooting it lights out. I mean, he has no fear, ice in his veins. He'll take your heart out and make you look at it before he bites you. I don't want to compare him, like I said, to Steph, but – this guy is taking the league in the bubble by storm. And what he's doing, definitely, if they end up upsetting the Lakers, there will be a conversation about if he has cemented Steph, but not only that, if he has dethroned the king, LeBron. So I just wanted to shout out Damian Lillard, man, Logo Lillard, man, he's doing his thing. What I want to hate on today is this playoff scenario in the bubble. Who created this? Like I stated earlier with the Phoenix Suns, they went 8-0. and They actually have a better record than the eighth seed, which is the Orlando Magic in the East. They have a better record than them. but And they won eight straight games, and they didn't make it to the playoffs. I don't understand how they set all that up to where if you're a team that's outside of the eighth seed, but you end up winning all your games, how is it that you're not eligible or you're not in the AC. I don't get that, you know, and it wasn't like any other team played really well. I mean, the Blazers, I think, were six and two, but yet and still, if the Phoenix Suns were so far out of it to where even if they win eight games, they can't get in, why are they even there? That's what Damian Lillard was talking about, which he got a lot of heat for before the bubble started because he stated, look, I don't want to go down there if we don't have anything to play for. And I totally get what he's saying because he's away from his family. He's away from his friends. He's going down the bubble. You go out and ball out and win all the games and you still don't make it. They need to do better. Do better, NBA, Adam Silver, whoever it was that came up with that plan to where the Suns go undefeated and they still don't make the playoffs. Shame on you. Hate it. Hate it. I hate it. And lastly, I want to debate this whole big Giannis thing with, to the Warriors. I swear, because once again, we live in the Bay Area. We hear it on all the radio stations, all the people saying, oh, Giannis is coming to the Warriors. I don't know where they get that. Maybe it's because KD came, but that was a totally different situation. Giannis has been uh, very adamant about staying in Milwaukee and being a Milwaukee Buck for life. But there was Stephen A. Smith and there was uh, John Dickerson on 95-7, the game that, that you know brought back up the whole thing with if Giannis doesn't get the uh the championship this year or even if they go out in the first round that he may be possibly looking 
you know, for greener pastures and the Golden State Warriors may be that. Now, I can't see any scenario where the Bucks give up Giannis for any of our players except for one. I don't see Draymond and, and, and um, Wiggins and the second pick. Why would the Bucks do that? Their team would be horrible with, with those picks and giving up a superstar. That doesn't work. I don't even see it with Klay Thompson. If you give up Klay Thompson for Giannis. Um, I don't see that either as Clay and Dre. I don't see that. I don't see Clay and Wiggins. I don't see them. I see them saying no, but I see one person that they say yes for, and that's the cook, the babyface assassin, Steph Curry. Steph Curry straight up for Giannis. Now, think of that team, and I know don't come at me, Warriors fans, with this. Don't come looking for me and trying to lynch me and all this other type of stuff. This is just hypotheticals, but – who are they going to give up? Who do the Warriors have that they would want? It's going to be Steph Curry. And not only with Steph Curry, with his contract and with Giannis's contract, it might be a straight-up swap for him. Now, look at the, uh, the starting five when I take out Steph and I put in Giannis. And let's say they draft LaMelo Ball because they don't have to give up that second uh, pick. They draft LaMelo Ball, they got Giannis, they got Dre, they got Clay, and they got Wiggins. Now, I don't know about if you even can think about a debate on this one, Derek, but it sounds like to me that's a good squad. Is, is it not? Wow. Wow. Um, you know that, that, that saying is kind of cliche, but people will say, I want some of whatever you're smoking. Well, I'm going to tell you like this, Mike, whatever you got rolled up in that ashtray over there, I don't want none of that because you may have lost your mind. Okay. I don't want I don't want none of what you got going on over there. But I, I'm I'm gonna tell you like this. Um, who in their right mind? If if, if let, let's let's take the fans out of it for a minute. Steph Curry is the face of the franchise. He is the face of the NBA as we know it today. I just don't see swapping players like that for a guy who I know he's a little bit older, but he's still in his prime. Steph, Hill, Steph ha has a lot left in the tank. I think he is a guy that's going to be playing with a chip on his shoulder this year. And those are the type of players that I like. And not to mention, you brought up KD. Me and you had a conversation about this the other day. What ultimately do we think was one of the deciding factors in driving KD out of town? Draymond. None other than Draymond Green, okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now you have to ask yourself, Draymond coexists with Giannis. You know, I think a lot of, you know, um, Steph being there during the time with, you know, KD, Steph, you know, the, the, having the team together, you know, I think Steph was kind of a guy where, you know, people could look to, you know, he, he's a, he's a soft-spoken leader. And I think that he was kind of able to keep the cohesion there. Uh, but but I, I got to say, Mike, I, you, you've lost your mind there. And we can save that debate <laughs> for another show. But but uh, I, I think it's an interesting uh, point that you bring up. But, yeah, I'm, I'm vehemently against that. Hey, some of the dopest of the dope. Some of the dopest of the dope. And if you smoked what I smoked, you would know that this is no joke. <laughs> no, but uh, no, they definitely, man um, – it's, it's not a, a, a weed um, take. This is a hot take, and I think it could happen, and it could be very well. I see what you're saying. I mean, Steph is the best. We all know this. But I don't see anybody else, um, Milwaukee, even wanting on the Golden State Warriors other than Steph. And if that was to happen, I'd be sad. I'd cry. But when you really look at the team, you know, I think it would be a championship contending team. And Giannis is no pump. You know, he comes from a whole nother uh, country. So Steph is kind of quiet. So he probably just like dismiss um, Draymond anytime he says something to him. He probably doesn't even listen to him. Giannis might slap Draymond. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't think it'd be any problem there, man. But I think that's it, man. I think we can't go any further than this. We've already gone too far over. Uh, these are some, some topics, though, that need more discussion. And we probably will get into it more as we go on. But we're going to stop it right here, man. Derek, great show. Um, great fire. Love what you had to say. Loved your picks. Um, any last words that you may have? Man, just, you know, uh, in, enjoyed another show with you and looking forward to the next one. And uh, definitely, you know, uh, the, the NFL is right around the corner here, banging on the door. So I think uh, we can get into some of that. But uh, definitely want to pick back up on, on this Giannis to Golden State. 
I think that's going to be a hot topic. And um, as far as the, the small ball NBA goes, I'll tell you what. Uh, let's see with the draft, I believe is on October the 16th and the last game of the finals should be October the 13th. If it goes seven, let's see how far the Rockets get. And then the Warriors can think about how well that small ball can really work. Uh, so I like the timing of this and we could get into this a lot. I thank everybody out there for listening and, uh, look forward to being with you again soon, man. Yes, sir. We will get into it. Well, that's it though. Thanks for all the Dream Team fiends, all the Dream Team Supremes out there listening. Um, we love you. Shout out to you. Shout out to all the other podcasts that are on this Dream Team network. Um, hope you're doing great. Hope you're feeling fun. Uh, this has been another episode of The Great Debaters, and we're out. You can't have the fulfillment of the dream if you don't have the team. <laughs> <laughs>